my mum and dad took me to church. I am very grateful for that. But for a myriad of kids leaders and youth leaders and people that came and spoke at camps and people that cooked at camps and people that did all of that stuff for a really long time in my life to help me to become who I am. So if you get anything out of today's service, say a prayer for them. Thank them. Yeah? Let's pray. Father, I feel somewhat inadequate standing here today, but I am not going to waste the efforts of one of those people that invested in me for all those years. So, Father, I ask your Holy Spirit to be with me as I bring what I believe is the word you've prepared for me to give to these people. Father, I pray that they can get something that they can take away that can make their life better and help them see you more clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I'm going to speak about today, two ideas, one outcome. Now, it won't sound like it fits together, so you're going to need to focus and stay with me. So I'm going to give you a little tip. I tell this to my chaplaincy students. In about 15 minutes of sitting still, you're going to feel a little bit droopy, a little bit sleepy. You have these two really big muscles here on your backside. They're called your gluteus maximus. They are very good at pumping blood around your body. So when you start to feel a little bit droopy, I encourage you, squeeze them tight, let them go. Squeeze them tight, let them go. What will happen is you will increase your blood supply back to your brain. It will help wake you up. If you start to fall asleep, I can actually walk around with this thing. So I might just happen to come and stand at the end of your row and say hi. <laughs> They think I'm joking. <laughs> okay. I'm going to read to you from Isaiah. Now, let me set the scene. This um, scripture in Isaiah is when Isaiah is giving a prophecy and he's basically saying to the people, you're saying it, you're doing it, but you don't really mean it. Ouch. You're saying it? Whoa. We're doing it. Good morning, brother. But we're holding it back here, keeping it here, not making it real, not making us. That presence of Jesus, that who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit that wants to live in you and live out of you, that's the real bit. So let me read this to you. Starting from verse 6. This is the kind of fast day I'm after to break the chains of injustice, to get rid of exploitation in the workplace, to free the oppressed and to cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering and ill-clad, being available to your families. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way, the God of glory will secure your passage. Then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help and he'll say, here I am. If you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims, quit gossiping about other people's sins. If you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest places, firm muscles, strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. 
You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundations from out of the past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. Pretty cool words. What I want to do now is I want to go back to the beginning and I want to pull this apart a little bit. I want to step through it and look at what it actually looks like for us right now today living the lives that we live. Is that okay? Too bad. It's not because I've got the mic and they, well, Lottie actually asked me to do this. He's not here to take it off me. So thanks, mate. This is the kind of fast day I'm after to break the chains of injustice get rid of exploitation in the workplace, free the oppressed and cancel debts. If you listen to those words, they're actually talking about what I want you to do now is look after things that have gone wrong in the past. These people are already oppressed. I want you to free them. These debts have already been gathered. I want you to cancel those debts. Exploitation is already happening in the workplace. I want you to do something about that. So past tense, okay? Stuff that's already gone wrong, I want you to do something about it now. And just to throw it out there, because this is something really close to my heart. Oh, gosh. Sorry, Lottie, if I cause a whole lot of stress, but... What took place in our nation 200 years ago to our Indigenous people is our responsibility. So here's the thing. If I had been traumatised badly by somebody wearing a green dress and you knew that when I see a green dress, it breaks my heart and it makes me feel unsafe, would you come to my house wearing a green dress? No. Are you responsible for the pain that was put on me by the person wearing the green dress? No, but you're going to take responsibility for my pain in the future by choosing not to wear that green dress and becoming a safe person for me, right? That's my revelation on our Indigenous people. They've been hurt really bad and we have a choice now whether we create a place that is safe where we can commune and connect together. Your responsibility take off the green dress. I'll just get down off my little high horse, back down here. That wasn't even in my thing. Sorry, Lottie. Anyway, what I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering and ill-clad and being available to your families. This is about changing the way you are living right now. This is right now. What I'm interested in seeing you do is First part, this is the kind of response to society I'm looking for. Second part, this is what I want to see you do right now. Share, present tense. Invite, present tense. Putting, right now, doing. Changing the way you live, changing the way these people lived and connected, this is the thing that will make a difference and it comes out in the next scripture, what, next part, what it does. But let me also say this. 
This isn't something that you do and you flog yourself to the point where you can't be available to your own family because the bottom line there says, and be available to your own family. And let's, let's just face it, sometimes that's the hardest. You can choose your friends. You can choose which homeless person you walk up to and connect with, but yeah, don't get to choose your family. And God calls us all family. Everybody smile and look straight ahead. Don't, don't look to the side right now. Just look straight ahead. Don't touch to the side either. Just like this. <laughs> boundaries are really, really, really important. You need healthy boundaries. You need to give. You need to be aware. But you need to be available to your family because they are the only ones you're going to take to eternity with you. Okay. Do this, all of this, do this, and the lights will turn on, your lives will turn around at once. Do this, and the lights will turn on. Ever run around in the dark? I change furniture at my house all the time. I move it around, I make it different, my husband says. He can never come home without the lights being on because he would run into stuff. Do this, be available to your family, care for other people, Look outside of yourself and it'll be like a light's gone on in your life. You can actually see where you're going. Your righteousness will pave your way. Interesting that it doesn't say God's righteousness. Your righteousness. Because when you start to be outward focused and less focused on your own stuff, people start to trust you. Righteousness with God is me being right and in relationship with God. Your righteousness is you being in a right relationship with the people around you and the people that you walk alongside of. Pretty cool, right? The God of glory will secure your passage. Your rightness in life, your righteousness with God will have his glory sitting on it in a secure passage. Nice. And when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help and he'll say, here I am. I don't need to say much about that, do I? Pretty cool. Clarity, connectedness, less brain clutter. When the light's on and you know what your purpose is and you're right with God and you're connected with your community, there's less to think about. Because you know what you are called to do and you don't get caught up in what you're not called to do. Next one. Get rid of unfair practices. Quit blaming victims. Quit gossiping about other people's sins. You know what blaming is? Blaming is all your fear and anger inside coming out and being projected on another person. <laughs> That's what blame is. Blame is when I turn around and there are dishes all over my sink that I cleaned and I at somebody in my household. I blame them. Are they responsible? Did they do that? Actually, yes, they left the dishes there. But me getting angry and projecting that at them, does that get the dishes done? Does it help with my rightness in my home and build atmosphere in my home? Not one bit. Blaming, taking responsibility, two different things. 
If you've ever listened or read any of Brené Brown, Dr. Brené Brown's work, go home and Google her little clip on blame. Let's leave that one. Gossiping. You know, we're really good at pulling people into line for the big sins, big ones, you know. Did you hear about? Did you know? Because I'm only telling you this, brother, so that you can pray for them. Oh, you're all quiet. This is a Pentecostal church, isn't it? Eh. Okay. We rent it out to others along during. That's a good way to make money. I don't mind that. Quit blaming victims. Quit gossiping about other people's sin. You know, when you judge somebody, you're either elevating yourself or you're denigrating yourself. When you say, oh, that person's got it together and I'm having, you're saying, God, I'm not good enough. When you say, oh, that person, look what they're doing, they should really get it together, you're saying, oh, I'm better than you. Neither of those are great. Neither of those are helpful. If you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. Your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. That's a light that stands out. Remember Rani Dorney? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Yeah? Hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. Just back then, when I was a little girl, that made no sense to me. I was like, yeah, yeah, I love candles. Candles are great. Let's have more candles. We should do that. Don't put anything over them. They could burn, you know. But this little light of mine, this idea that my life will be a light for other people to find their way, imagine, imagine walking into a dark space and bringing light with you. Think about it. Think about the place where you work. Think about where you go to school. Think about the family that you live with. Think about the community that you live in. We also talk about depression as darkness, the black dog, dark cloud. Do this and the lights will turn on. Focus outwards. Consider others, not just yourself. Pay it forward. When my daughter was living in the UK, she'd been there through a winter and she had to come home here because we had a fairly tragic thing happen in our family and I went down to the airport and I picked her up and she walked out from a UK winter onto a Qantas flight off in Sydney and she walked out and she went, oh, and stood outside in the sunshine and just stood there. I went, what's wrong, sweetie? She said, just wait, mum, wait. And she stood in that sunshine because that kid has grown up in Australia. She knows sunshine. Sunshine's really important. It's where you get your vitamin D from. Do you know oldies in aged care facilities, they now have to park them outside for a couple of hours a week to make sure they're getting enough vitamin D because they're getting rickets and things that we haven't seen forever because of vitamin D deficiency. You need sunlight. Your lives will begin to glow in the darkness and your shadowed, shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. You will always show me where to go. Fix up the issues from the past. Do what you can do now and you will have direction. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places, firm muscles, strong bones. This is called health, people, and this is a good thing. 
You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry, a full cup. This is where really strong boundaries come from. When you picture a cup cup and saucer, when you are giving to the people around you out of an overflowing saucer, it's all good. It's when you start to give to people out of the cup that you're in trouble. Because you've got to have a full cup that's overflowing into a saucer to be able to give to people out of what extra there is in your life. This is where you can be available to your family because your cup is full when you go home. This is where the saucer is about that overflowing idea of abundance that we talk about in our faith when we're filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. This isn't about having, um, you know, like Olympic kind of energy. I was talking to a guy this week who trains really, really hard. He's an elite athlete. And when he goes home, he says, I've got nothing left. I've got nothing to give my family because I am completely exhausted. If we live giving all the time, but we don't know how to have that boundary in place where we connect with God and we refill our cup, we'll be hopeless, useless to our family. You'll use the old rubble of the past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations out of the past. It's a word for you, real life. You'll use the rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. This place was built on great foundations. Rebuild. Nothing's wasted. There's not one thing ever wasted. You'll be known as those that can fix anything. Restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, making the community livable again. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28. All things. If you love God, there's not one crappy thing that has happened in your life that God cannot use for his good. Not one. The world that one that doesn't know how much Jesus could add to their lives, you'll be known as the people that can do that. You can bring the Jesus, rebuild the community, make it livable again. Now, I want you to press pause on all of that and we're going to jump to another thought. This picture is a picture of your brain. For some of you, it may be larger. For some of you, it may not. That's you, Maddie. You're right. Yours has probably got way more colours than that. All right. So my background is nursing. So I love science. I love science-based stuff and I love it when science and the word line up together. It makes me really happy. So this is your brain, your triune brain. Your brain has three distinctive parts to it. And it's known in psychology and in neurology as your triune brain, three distinct sections. The bottom section, the red part, that is your basic instinct primitive part of your brain. This is the bit where you 
That comes from that part of my brain telling me to breathe. That part of my brain also tells my heart to beat. It also tells me how to swallow and how to gag. It tells me how to spread myself out when I'm about to fall and shift my mass so that I don't all land on one piece and get one of those old lady broken wrists. I turned 50 the other day. I, I can, it's still weird going, I am 50. I remember my mum turning 50, that was old. And I saw a photo of my neck this week in a photo and I thought I just need to get like a big clip and put it on the back and just kind of hold it there like that, right? I think they should market those somehow. Not that I'm really shallow, actually I'm really shallow. <laughs> anyway. Your primitive brain, your brainstem, your brainstem, it's where all of your survival mode comes from. When you see people who have been traumatised, they are living their life out of this survival because it's all about um, keeping alive. But you've got to know this, your brainstem is protected by some pretty hefty bone. All the way down your spine are bones that move around and they protect your brain, your your spinal cord, up to a nice big, hard, chunky bit of brain at the back there, bit of bone at the back there that protects this primitive part of your brain. It looks after your bladder control. It looks after blood pressure. It gets all the info from the nerves. It's really important. If you need to, get your glute muscles going just now. Now would be a good time. Get those glute muscles moving around. The second part, the blue part, is your limbic system. This is the emotional centre of your brain. This is where your amygdala and hippocampus and thalamus and hypothalamus, yes, hypothalamus, that's where they all live together. This is your emotion centre. This is where you feel from. All of those feelings about when you see that homeless person, see, this part of your brain also lays down memory. So if you've had an interaction with a person, we're going to use homelessness because it was in our scripture, if you've had an interaction with a homeless person that wasn't positive, the next time you see a homeless person, you might want to cross the street. You might want to move around because instinctively, your emotion centre that holds your memory and your survival mode work together and go, we need to do something to protect ourselves. This part is where you smell from. You know, smell and memory, fresh bread. For me, freesias. When I was a little girl, I used to go to youth camp and youth camp was always in August at Rathmines and the bush was full of freesias. So when I smell freesias, all of those memories of my first cigarette, my first bra, my first drinking, all of those things that happened at youth camp um, come flooding back to my mind. I'm sure they don't happen at your youth camp, but if you think they don't, you're kidding yourself. Okay, and the yellow section, this is called your neocortex and the neocortex is the control centre. The neocortex is your higher thinking part of your brain. It's where your reasoning and your intelligence and your speech and your deep thought and all of those things come from. This thing, the next one, the triune brain is called this. We have our reptilian brain, which is that brain stem. Then we have what people call the mammal brain or the emotional center, which is that second part that we talked about and then we have our neocortex over the top which is our thinking brain. On the next slide I'll show you how it looks different again. 
You bring it into the next set and you can see it in circles. So you've got your reptilian brain, you've got your limbic system, your emotions, and then you've got your neocortex over the top. Now, I want to bring these two thoughts together. Get this. This part, this is my brain stem. Right here, this is my limbic system. My limbic system, created by God, sits in the centre of my brain. Survival part, emotional part. Then the largest part of my brain, created by God, is my neocortex. And my neocortex sits over the top of my survival space and my emotional space. Can you not see the beauty of creation in this? Your instincts and your emotions that when you get angry, when you start blaming, when you feel like you can't do those things that these scripture asks of you and you will know it because you get caught in this loop. Stimuli, emotion. Stimuli, emotion. He hurt me. I'm not going near him. They did this. I can't forgive them around and around and around in a loop but God created you with a neocortex this neocortex is about higher thought higher thought greater thinking and God created it to sit over the top of your instincts and your emotions and actually protect them now get this when we worship God we move out of our brainstem we move past our emotions and we, they've, they've actually done studies where they've put things on and watched the parts of people's brains that light up when they're worshipping. Guess what lights up? Your neocortex goes nuts because when you worship God, you step into the higher part of your brain where you can actually reason and connect and step outside of your own emotional response. How cool is that? But let's make it even better. Penny, just hold your fist up high for me. So if this, put your thumb inside so your brain's protected. So here's a brain stem. Here's her emotions and here's her neocortex. Where does God say he will be? I will cover you with my love. I will connect with you. I will protect you. I will help you build those safe boundaries. I will surround you because I knew you when I knitted you together in your mother's womb. I made you right back then. I knew every single cell in your body and I put it together and I protected your emotions with a much brighter, smarter part of your brain. So when you say, Jen, letting go of the things of the past, I can't, it's too hard. Yes, you can. Standing up in my workplace for the things that are wrong, I can't do that. Yes, you can. I can't take off my shirt and give it to somebody else. Yeah, you can. I can put clothes on the shivering and ill-clad because I've got more than one shirt in my cupboard. And I can look really good in second-hand clothes myself. And I can choose what I do with my money and where I spend it. I love beautiful things. And I think I look lovely. My dress, 
$29, big W. And if you go now, they're actually down to 18 You don't have to be controlled by what's going on in your world. You can actually step into that part of your brain that God created for creation, from the beginning of creation for connection with him called your neocortex. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's good too. This has actually been um, my revelation of late because six months ago my dad died and I am a daddy's girl. I'm a, oh, I was 49 when he died, but I'm a 49-year-old woman who would walk into my parents' house and my dad would go, she's here. I was his delight. My dad made it really, really easy for me to love God because he loved me, just loved me, and he died. And I miss him so, so much. But what I've learnt in this last six months is God had already created a space in me where I could move from that pain of the emotion of missing my dad so much and not deny the pain, but actually take a step up into this part of my brain where I can connect with God, where I can see the pain of my grief, but I can reason. And I know my dad's in a better place. Does it make me miss him any less? Nope. I know my dad would never want my life to stop. No way. He'd want it to keep going. Does it mean it takes away the pain more? No, it doesn't. But what I can do is instead of being circulating round and round and round by reaction and emotion, I can step into that higher thinking part of my brain. In Isaiah, when all this stuff was happening, these guys, they thought they were doing a great job. But the truth was where they were coming from was a point of, I'll look like I'm doing it. I'll, I'll, um, on the outside, I'll care. But on the inside, I'll keep my part, that part to myself. And that's the part that God's most interested in. Jesus didn't come and die on a cross we sung lots of words about Jesus and what he did. He didn't come and die on a cross just so I could live a life where I got to go to church and be part of a community or live a life knowing that I'm going to heaven. Jesus came and made the sacrifice that he made so that I could have a relationship with God. God is love. I don't know what kind of God you believe in. And I'm really trying to work through a whole lot of theology and understand a lot of the rules that we have in religion and who we say can and can't and will and won't go to heaven. But this is what I know about God. God is a God of love who loved all of you so much that he gave the very best he had. Do you think it hurt God to give his best? Absolutely. It hurts. It hurts when we sacrifice. It hurts when we lose someone. The musos want to come soon. That'd be great. When we get to that place where we realise that all the doing in the world is not going to make my life better, it'll help the people around me, 
And, and it says here that if you can get your eyes off yourself and start focusing on other people, you're, you will feel better about life. But there's a bigger thing. There's my brain and then there's this God in heaven who loves and wants to come and connect with you and be part of your world. And I don't know if you know Jesus or maybe in the past you have known Jesus, but this is what I know. If Jesus was standing here side by side with me right now, he'd say to you this, I've been with you, I've watched you every day since you were conceived and I know some things have happened that you haven't liked and I know some things have happened that have hurt you but if you ask me, I'll come and I'll hold your hand for the rest of your life. If you ask me, I'll come and I'll help you get rid of the shame and the guilt and the pain from things that have happened in the past. And I'll teach you how to live a life where the lights are on and you're right with God and you're connected. And I don't know what it's like for you in your everyday in work or I don't know. I don't know many of you, really. But God does. And God loves you. And God wants the absolute best for you. And if you want to know God or you want to do this thing I was just talking about where getting to know Jesus, if you want to do that, you just let me know. You just let me know somehow. Look at me hard right now or give me a wave or do whatever you like. And I won't embarrass you, I promise, but I will pray with you. I'll pray with you. And if you've known Jesus before and you think, you know what, I know him in my head, but I want to actually get to know him more deeply, I'd love to pray with you. Because this stuff, we can all do. This stuff, we can all, you know, give and care. But until we connect with the reason for caring, until we know the God of all comfort, It's just work. Can I pray for you? Why don't we stand up together? I'm going to be out here. If anybody wants to come out, I'm happy to pray for you. God, you are this incredible creator. You made us with these brains that are so magnificent. God, you ask of us things that sometimes feel really hard and sometimes feel that our emotions and our memories and our thoughts and our biases, even the biases that we're unconscious of, get in the way of us connecting with people and even connecting with you. So, Father, I pray that this week every one of us here that know you will be challenged to take a step outside of that emotion and that memory and reason and think higher and take a step towards somebody that needs to know you. I'm not talking, church, about going and preaching to someone. I'm talking about holding someone's hand because they look afraid, asking someone if they're okay, thinking about what you can give to make a difference to somebody else. I'm thinking about sitting next to the, the um, person on the train or on the bus that 
people are avoiding sitting next to. And for those of you who don't know Jesus, I pray that this week something in your world happens where you get to make a step closer to this God who created you, who loves you, who cares for you and who will do anything. He's actually manipulated everything in your life to get you here today so that you could hear this and you could reconnect with Him or connect with Him for the first time. God loves you so much that He gave the very best He had in a bloody sacrifice so that you could connect with Him. 